Heterodorks. 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 Hey, Turfs and Trannies. This is Nina Paley, co-host of Heterodorks. And this is Corinna Cohn. And very excited today because we have a guest heterodork on the program. She is the editor of Feminist Current and is definitely a shitster extraordinaire. She is Megan Murphy. Megan Murphy, welcome to Heterodork's podcast. Hello, glad to be here. Thank you for having me. So I've been following Megan for a few years on Twitter until one day she wasn't there. I don't, I don't know what happened. <laughs> It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Yeah, she got tired of it like you did. She just decided that she would take a step back from social media. Yeah, I just decided to take myself right out of the public conversation and kind of invisibilize myself. I don't really, I have nothing really to say anymore. You know what I mean? I said all I had to say. I'm done. That's it. I'm good. <laughs> well, that worked out well. Great. Yeah, totally. <laughs> should, should we... Uh... De-sarcasmize de this for some listeners who are sarcasm challenged. Oh, so there might be two or three senators out there who might not have heard that Megan Murphy was removed from Twitter for saying something very innocuous, which was um, men aren't women, though. Yeah, men aren't women, though. <laughs> I think it's the though. I think maybe if you'd left out the though, it would have been okay. Yeah, that's probably the thing that broke the rule. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think most people, well, I don't know. I mean, depending on who your audience is, I guess. I was going to say most people, like most feminists probably know what happened to me on Twitter, which was essentially that I was I was engaging in wrong think around the uh, gender identity issue, and I don't participate in uh, correctly pronouning people, which because I think it's incorrect, which I mean, that is to say that I won't, I won't, I don't refer to males as she on demand. And I don't believe that a man can become a woman no matter how he feels about that. So um, that's what I think got me in trouble with Twitter, although they've never communicated with me or told me they only ever sent me. I filed another appeal after I was on Rogan last week because I was like, in light of the fact that this is clearly bullshit, <laughs> give me back my Twitter account. And I just got back a form response saying, sorry, you broke the rules. They still won't even tell me what rule it is that I broke. They just send me these form responses saying, hateful conduct, you broke the rules. So I'm still just guessing that it has to do with this misgendering thing because I really did not engage in any hateful conduct. Um, and I don't like people always act like, I'm being dumb and whiny in in continuing to talk about my Twitter banning, but it actually is a big deal on like a larger scale because of course it means that Twitter is dictating what we may discuss and how we may discuss it. And this is a, a public forum and this is where these kinds of conversations take place, whether we like it or not, which I mean not, but this is the reality. Um, and especially, you know, it did have a really big impact on me as an individual just because I'm independent, you know, like I'm an independent writer, I'm an independent journalist, media producer, etc. So I'm wholly dependent on social media platforms 
to build an audience and to get my work out there and therefore to make a living like my entire living is dependent just on individual donations from my audience. I don't get, you know, advertising money. I don't get, I don't have funders. Like I don't have grants. Um, and I'd rather not depend on any of those things for funding because the things that I talk about are deemed controversial. So I would constantly be in hot water with, people like you know if, if there is some like if I had like corporate funding or like government grants or if I had advertisers and things like that so to me it's always felt safer despite it being you know kind of unreliable to depend just on my audience to send me donations for support but of course if I can't reach an audience then I'm sort of out of luck so there's that aspect and then the fact that I sort of am left out of the public conversation in some ways by not being on Twitter. Did you, did you, didn't you sue them at one point? Yeah, we did. We sued, but we lost the case because of section 230, which basically just allows these kinds of companies to do whatever they want and not be accountable. So on one hand, they aren't, they aren't accountable for what their users post um, so they're not viewed as like a publisher, so they're not held responsible if somebody does tweet hate speech. Um, but at the same time, you know, Section 230 allows them to also not be liable in terms of like the decisions that they make to block or, you know, get rid of users' accounts or, you know, block certain speech or censor people or whatever it is. So it works uh, really well for them in all sorts of ways. <laughs> I read the lawsuit. Oh, did you? And I remember feeling somewhat astonished when one of my Twitter threads was quoted in the lawsuit. Oh, I forgot. Which one? The thread about why Twitter should not be policing uh, misgendering or dead naming. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I'm glad it was in there, even though it clearly didn't work on the judge. <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny because it's like, I mean, I'm not super, I'm Canadian, right? So I'm actually not super, super, I'm not as familiar with Canadian legislation as as you two are and as Americans are. But it seems like there's a lot of laws that were created to protect individuals are being used to defend corporations. <laughs> yeah. So that's well, frustrating. Corporations are individuals. That's true. <laughs> I meant individuals with, with less money and power than corporations. Right. <laughs> Human <laughs> individuals. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So, I want to get right into it and talk about the mean girls of feminism. <laughs> They're <Since> pretty mean. <laughs> <laughs> They've said a lot of really mean things about me. <laughs> yeah, is it is it worse when feminists say mean things about you online we're mostly talking online right this is yeah. like online bullshit yeah mostly online but they talk shit about me in person too um to you or you just hear about this second i just hear about it secondhand no they're very nice to me in person they do their shit talking to other people um <laughs> it's worse because i don't really care what well, I don't care what people I don't know say about me on the internet all that much or to me. Like, it's not, I'm not super bothered when people say mean things to me on like Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Like, it's not pleasant, but it's not, I don't take it personally. Like, it doesn't stress me out. Um, I don't like being lied about. 
Um, that kind of stuff really bothers me. There's a lot of libel online and, and, you know, feminists have spread a lot of lies about me too. It, I guess it feels worse when it comes to feminists because feminists, cause I just find it, I feel like they have this blind spot where they're really angry when other people engage in the same behavior that they're engaging in. Um, and they present themselves as the people who are like, pro empathy and pro women and pro or like an anti misogyny, but like they've been, you know, the way that they insult me tends to be pretty sexist and really cruel and often untrue and, and really kind of gross, like really like sexualized stuff and talking about my sex life and my personal life and like calling me these like misogynist names, like ball Palmer and like, you know, and they, they accuse me, you know, essentially what they accuse me of is not having a brain of my own. Like it's so condescending and so insulting and so just obviously untrue considering like the body of my work and my, who I am as a person, which has always been like, I'm a pretty, I work really hard to be authentic and to just be honest and to say what I really believe, even if I know that when I say this, people aren't going to like it or they're going to be mad at me. Like I'm always really myself. And so when feminists, when I say something that feminists or radical feminists, I should say, don't like, they don't, they treat it as though it's not my real opinion, but as though I'm being manipulated by some man in the background, like some man is paying me off or I'm trying to sleep with that man. And like, you know, if I have that opinion, he'll sleep with me as if it's that hard to get a man to sleep with you. <laughs> like as if he's going to be like, Oh, I'm not going to fuck you. I don't really like your political opinions. Like, it's like, I don't know how many men you've met, but it's not, I'm not challenged in that department and probably most women really aren't. But like, you know, it's that I, or it's that I'm, I'm traumatized. And so now I just can't think straight. They're like, oh, she's probably, she's probably got like emotional problems or she's been so traumatized by all these attacks on her that she's just completely lost her mind. Um, or yeah, it's that I'm just, I'm trying to please my boyfriend or I'm trying to get a boyfriend. Um, and it's never just that I could possibly have the opinions that I'm expressing myself like and as if I'm, I'm such a coward as and as if I've ever done anything for money like I would have so much more money if I made choices that were financially wise <laughs> or like if I if I you know like it wouldn't have been that difficult for me to not share my real opinions except that I'm incapable of doing that as a human being because I care about integrity and doing what's right but you know I could have chosen to toe the party line and have like some kind of job. <laughs> so, um, so what, what of stuff that you've said has really been triggering the radical feminists? What, what are they pissed off about? I know it's not even only what I'm saying. I think they just, I think they, they don't, I think they always accuse me of flirting. Like they don't like the way that I behave. Um, they think I'm flirting with men all the time. And maybe I am, but I mean, you often when they accuse me of doing that, I'm not aware that I'm doing it. I'm not doing it on purpose. It's not like 
you know, like I'm going out of my way to flirt with people. I think this is kind of my personality. And just like, I don't know, like I'm like talking to people. I'm like a happy person, I'm, like engaging with people, but they think I suck up to or flirt with men. And I don't really see what's wrong with flirting with men anyway, because like I'm a heterosexual woman. So I, yes, I flirt with men. That's true. Like I'm not actually embarrassed about that. <laughs> um, so there's that. I think they sort of think, I don't know. It feels a bit like they think I've gotten too big for my britches and they just want to tear me down. Like I think they don't like that I have a platform and, and they want my platform and they think they're more deserving of it. Um, I think I've, I've realized lately that some of them are really angry at me for not paying attention to them, but like, I'm not doing it on purpose. I mean, like I'm a busy person and I don't know who everybody is on the internet. Like I don't have time to keep track of this stuff. I don't really engage that much. And like, I don't engage in like radical feminist forums online. I don't really like being online. Like I'm actually not on social media that much. Like I really don't like Facebook. Like I don't want to spend a whole bunch of time in some online forum having conversations. I want to like get my work done and then leave the house and get out into the real world. Um, but they, th they think it's personal that I'm ignoring them. I think it's like I've slighted them or something. And then I, you know, I've written, I don't know, I've been trying to have like, I've been writing critically about feminism, about some of the issues that I have with radical feminism and about things like purity politics and that's pissed people off. Um, I sort of tried to, I guess, take a more nuanced approach to pornography, which didn't mean that I was all of a sudden pro-pornography. I hate pornography. Like, honestly, I wish that pornography doesn't didn't exist, but it does exist. And I'm not in favor of banning pornography because I think that's like a slippery slope and I don't think it's possible. And, you know, like I, the reality is that I know a lot of men who use pornography and they're not all bad, terrible men. And I want to be able to have conversations with these men about pornography in the hope that maybe they understand, you know, or they can think more critically about pornography or they can kind of understand the realities of the industry. And radical feminists seem to interpret this, I don't think in good faith, or, but you know, who knows, um, as, being too soft on men essentially like oh you're saying that we all have to be nice to these horrible men who are you know using abusive pornography and it's like well you don't really have to do anything but as far as i can tell screaming misogynist at men hasn't gotten them to stop using pornography so we could try some different approaches i don't know so that's a bunch of it there's probably a bunch of other things they all think that, I don't know, they seem to have some weird obsession with Benjamin Boyce that I really don't understand. So I don't actually really want to talk about Benjamin Boyce because I'm not interested in talking about Benjamin Boyce, but they seem fixated on Benjamin Boyce and are like holding me responsible for everything Benjamin Boyce says, which is, you know, a totally feminist thing to do. Definitely what Benjamin Boyce says is my fault. <laughs> so do you, do you think that this is, most radical feminists or just some have you noticed the the ones that are sort of going after you do you think it's like specifically you or do you think that that's something that they like to do in general I think it's something they like to do in general I think I've I mean I've seen radical feminists attacking other women for many years online 
Um, I think they're really fucking mean sometimes. But also, like, I mean, it's not just radical feminists. I mean, this is how people behave online. It's just that radical feminists aren't special. So they're participating in the same behavior online that lots of other people are. They're just really mean and cruel and they dehumanize people. But I guess the thing that bothers me is that it feels a bit like a betrayal because it's like all these women are being like, well, fuck Megan Murphy, like we've lost her. She's obviously a lost cause. And it's like, man, like I've been running a feminist website for a decade and I've platformed more radical feminists than anybody else probably ever has. You know, like the amount of interviews that I have done for the podcast and for the website is, you know, huge. And, you know, I've provided a platform for a lot of women writers who never would have gotten published anywhere else. So it feels sort of weird to like discard me as a person and all my work because I don't, you know, say what they want me to say. I mean, it feels a bit like they want me to continue saying the same thing over and over and over again, even if it's not what I believe, which is sort of weird. Like, it's like, do you want me to be an independent thinker or not? Um, And I don't want to just keep saying the same thing over and over and over again. It's not interesting. And certainly not if I don't believe that it's true. You know, I want to challenge my own ideas. Like I am a critical thinker. So I'm going to think critically about the things that I say. And if it turns out that those ideas don't feel sound, then I'm going to, you know, change my arguments or change my approach. And I have, my politics have changed over the years, you know, like I'm not blindly attached to the left anymore. I think that the left is doing a lot of really bad stuff right now. And I do think that, you know, most people in the world don't fit this binary of left and right. And so I'm going to, you know, learn from and speak to and read and engage with whomever I want to, regardless of where they are in the political spectrum. And I mean, that was one of the things that I think really pissed off a lot of radical feminists early on, which started turning them turning against me kind of thing was that, you know, I wasn't only engaging with radical feminism and radical feminists. I was engaging with people who were, you know, not feminists or maybe who were right wing or maybe who were libertarian or probably many of whom don't have any kind of political identity. They're just expressing ideas. I started to focus more heavily on free speech um, and saying things like, you know, free speech is for everybody, not just women. Like, if we're going to advocate free speech, then we can't just advocate free speech for ourselves and be like, but these people should shut up. And a lot of radical feminists have said that to me. They've said that in public and they've said, you know, I support free speech for us, but I don't support free speech for these people because they're, you know, racist, sexist, Islamophobic, whatever it is. And it's like, I mean, according to you, I don't, you know, like you're just plastering these labels on people and I don't think that's necessarily valid, but even if it were, it's like the reality of free speech is that actually you do need to accept racist and sexist free speech and speech that you disagree with or speech that you find offensive. And I don't mean accept in like, don't challenge it, don't disagree with it, don't argue about it. Um, but you can't censor it, like, because then you'll be censored as we've seen, like, that's, this is what's happened to us. So it sort of baffles me how they can't see that those arguments are used against them. Um, right, because you need a set of principles. (laughs) Yes, indeed. There are so many different women 
in the I, well, I don't want to say there's a radical feminist community. Certainly there's like basically everyone at this point uses the label feminist and mm -hmm. a subset. And then there's a subset that use the label radical feminist, but even radical feminists, there are so many different types of thought among women who consider themselves radical feminists. So um, I have not been witness to the sort of PC lefty radical feminists uh, that, you know, that are concerned about racism and white supremacy and Islamophobia and things like that. Like, I don't, and like, I don't if see... you vote for Trump, you're a white supremacist and you can't be a feminist unless you vote for Biden or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, there was, there was a huge conflict online. I mean, mostly, mostly I witnessed this stuff on Spinster. I don't mm. look it over it very often. Um, I guess I have people in my Twitter feed, but Spinster, since I'm a moderator of Spinster, I see, mostly the dynamics of spinster. And yes, there was a big split uh, of women saying that other women couldn't have, <laughs> couldn't vote a certain way. Women in the UK being, you know, upset at American women uh, for not voting the way the UK women would vote if they were in the US and vice versa. Okay. I mean, the Canada has like a huge faction of these lefty PC purity politics uh, people in it. Like a lot of the Canadian feminists who I was, you know, allied with for a long time, uh, you know, are very attached to identity politics in the same way that, you know, the woke and the left are attached to identity politics with the exception of things like gender identity and prostitution. So they diverge in that sense, but in the other ways kind of cling to, to these lefty mantras that, you know, what you're supposed to uphold if you're a good person and not a bad person. But I mean, yeah, and it just, it, so it feels like, it feels, it feels very controlling sometimes. Like I felt, I started, I felt like people felt like they, they felt, a sense of ownership over me and that they they really wanted to bully me into saying what they wanted me to say and thinking what they wanted me to think and like you know I, it just felt really oppressive honestly like and I don't I mean this is why I've worked independently for so long because I do I do want the freedom to have my, to have independent thought and to have my own opinions and to say what I actually believe and not feel like I'm going to get ostracized or punished or fired or whatever because I diverge on certain issues. Um, and, you know, and it's, and it, yeah, and it's meant that for many, many, many years, I, I mean, I've been attacked constantly since I started writing um, by various groups, you know, long time by the left, you know, by liberal feminists, whatever you want to call them, third wave feminists, by the sex work advocates, by, you know, libertarians who are pro-pornography, and then, of course, over the gender identity stuff, and then now, you know, from... I've been attacked a lot by radical feminists over the years, but it's just really amped up 
lately is I've started to sign a kind of say critical things about radical feminism. It's like, I guess I'm allowed to criticize everything else, but I'm not allowed to criticize radical feminism or radical feminists. I'd like to bring up a, a controversy that I witnessed sort of firsthand about two years ago, if you don't mind. And mm -hmm. it was, it was when you had joined Spinster. Mm -hmm. the, the, I think you're, you've rejoined it since, but you were on there for a while. And, and one of the things that you had said was that if somebody cannot use their name or, or use their real name, or attach their identity to their opinions or the words that they're saying, that you don't want to hear their excuses about it. And what I interpreted from that was that there are probably a lot of women who tell you, I agree with you, but I, I can't say so publicly, or I agree with you, but I have to use a fake identity. And that you must have had a lot of women telling you that they just didn't have for whatever reason, they weren't able to apply their name and own the words that they were saying. And, and what I interpreted you to say was that you were tired of hearing people's excuses about it. And that well, yeah, but be, and, and because want. because they were what I get accused of, it's like, oh, I'm so privileged that I can say my opinions. Like there's something like they they can't do it, but I can, and that I'm lucky that I can. And I was like. What are you talking about? Like all I've done has t has been to take risks and been punished in extraordinary ways for doing so. Like it's I'm not any more privileged than anybody else. Like I don't have I'm working class. Like I don't have money. My family doesn't have money. Like I'm fine. I'm fine. Like I'm not pretending I'm not destitute, but like you know, like I'm making a living. I'm okay. Um but like I'm not I just, I'm not, you know, and lots of women speak out who are in worse positions than me. Like lots of women, when women speak out, they take risks. Like, yeah, if you're a celebrity, then it's easier, like JK Rowling. But that still wasn't easy for her. Like, God, like she got attacked in really grotesque, disturbing ways en masse, um, you know, and you know, and there's lots of women who speak out who do lose their jobs and have families to take care of. And I just was like, why are you like any more special than anyone else? And it's not that I don't understand the reasons. Like I understand that it's a risk and I'm not demanding that women sacrifice their jobs or their families to speak out about this. If they can't do it, then they can't do it. But don't tell me that it's like, I'm lucky that I can. Like, it's like, no, I did. And I also, I did this on purpose. I said before, you know, like I made specific choices to stay independent and maintain my own platform that nobody could take away with me and spent years and years doing that work for free. Like I didn't do that work because somebody was funding me or I had money. Like I did it on the side while I was in school and working three jobs for a long time and wasn't making any money off of it. And eventually I worked like consistently and for long enough um, that I was able to build up an audience and to build up support and to build up enough of like financial support that I could, you know, could kind of move towards doing this work more full time that I, I stayed independent on purpose. And that's a risk. Like I could lose all of my income in a second. Like if, you know, PayPal decides to ban me, right? Like I don't have any security. I have no security. 
So to tell me that it's like, oh, I, I'm, I'm privileged, so I could do this. It's like, no, I did it because it was the right thing to do. And that's the only reason why. I did it because I tell the truth and it's important to me to tell the truth and because this was the right thing to do. Well, and this is, this is what I think I'm interested in your, your reaction, but I think that you can move the conversation a lot further and get your points heard and considered by a wider audience if you attach your identity to it. If you're just anonymous on the internet, people can just blow it off. But exactly. If you're putting your name out there, it means something. Yeah, nobody nobody takes what an anonymous person on the internet says seriously. And I think that's something else they got mad about because I said that and they took it as a personal attack on them as though I was saying you don't matter and what you're saying doesn't matter and your opinion didn't matter and that's not what I was saying. I was just like that this is a fact. Like nobody is going to take anonymous accounts on the internet very seriously. Certainly not as seriously as if, you know, somebody with their real face and their real name is out there being accountable and you know who they are, um, you know, hiding behind an avatar and saying something online like that's just not going to go anywhere. And you just have to understand that reality. It wasn't. It, I, yeah, I wasn't trying to, like, insult anybody. That's just true. They, they did seem really eager to take offense. Mm -hmm. And that's something about social media and what happens with groups on social media. It's like they're, they're ready for it. They're, it's like they're looking for it. So I, I call that the butthurt reaction cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, I wrote about that. Actually, let's see, in 2019, I think your experience on Spinster informed this, but mostly it was my own experiences with with everything uh, online. Um, can I read it? Mm -hmm. Okay. Social media, when it is working properly, which is increasingly seldom, will expose you to ideas and opinions you don't like. When you encounter them, you have choices. One is to mute or block. Another is to argue in good faith. Another is to take grave personal offense. I call the last butt hurt. Some of the things that hurt our butts are intended to. That's what the mute block and report buttons are for, but when an undisciplined person's butt gets hurt online, they aim to hurt more butts. A butt hurt individual is vulnerable and insecure. Their instinct is to seek validation to spread their butt hurt so they can react to it without actually feeling it. This is how internet mobs are formed. I call this the butt hurt reaction cycle. It is why social media sucks. The only way to break the butt hurt reaction cycle is to not react. You must sit with the butt hurt. <laughs> when someone is deliberately mischaracterizing what you say, do not react. When someone is attacking you, do not react. If they are arguing in good faith, you can have an interesting discussion. But you know when it's not good faith. And you can tell when they smell blood and start to form a mob. Do not react. Any reaction from you is like a drug to them, inflaming their frenzy. If you are feeling emotions like urgency, despair, or anger, step away from the computer for a few hours, days, or weeks. Many of us need to express strong feelings somewhere, but don't do it in public. Never try to reason with your offenders when you're offended. Have a private chat with someone else or go to an unrelated space. Writing just for yourself is good too. In terms of communicating, consider what statement you made that people are supposedly angry about. Is it true or at least honest? Is it clear? That's usually the case. 
Online mobs are especially provoked by truth and clarity. Example, if a person has a penis, he's a man. If your instigating statement was neither true nor clear, you can clear it up later after you've had a break and are no longer flooded with stress hormones. But the mob will be pressuring you to apologize for, for truth and clarity. Don't do that. Let them rage. Their rage is on them. Too long didn't read. Does your butt hurt? Go do something else until you feel better so you don't make the internet even more of a godforsaken cesspool than it already is. I wrote that for myself. That was my instructions to myself. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, I think the best thing to do is just ignore people when they come at you, which I usually do for the most part and then sometimes fail to. But I would say like, you know, 80 to 90% of the time I manage to ignore people. But sometimes I just get so pissed off that I'm like, fuck you. And then you're right. It does make it worse. Like when they get a reaction, they get really excited and then amp up the drama and keep it going and drag it on and twist your words even more. Then they're like oh now she's being verbally abusive I'm like no i just told you to fuck off because i want you to fuck off <laughs> they're like she called us unhinged and i said well you're behaving in an unhinged way so i described that behavior as unhinged verbal abuse okay yeah, I, I apologize if if my 30 part youtube series on <laughs> your appearance and your your dating proclivities offended you yeah. I thought yeah. I was holding you to account, and it was just constructive criticism. But <laughs> ev evidently, that's not what happened. I apologize. Yeah, I have a little Megan Murphy voodoo doll that I stick pins into. Ah, that's why my like right shoulder blade has been hurting for like a month and a half. I mean, this I is wondered what that was. This, I think it's inevitable that this is going to continue for you. I think that, and yeah. and for me also, right? I, I think the difference is that. I've gotten like so reclusive over the last mm -hmm. couple of years. Um, I'm not as engaged, certainly not as engaged online as you are, but I think as long as you are continuing to speak out and speak up and write, this is going to keep happening. Oh like, yeah. It's that's, never going to stop ever. Yeah. People are always going to continue to like misrepresent me, twist my words, speculate about my personal life, try to attack me in any possible way that I can. I'm sure it'll get worse as I get older because they'll be able to like attack my appearance, like all of that stuff. They'll just do anything they can for as long as they can. Um, so. I've, I've noticed that your audience is, or, or your, your content is really starting to become wider. There are more topics that you're considering. So I'd, I'd like to ask, are you still primarily considering that you have a feminist audience and you're trying to broaden their perspectives? Or is it that you are trying to bring in a wider audience and expose them to feminist perspectives? It's really just that I engage in topics that are interesting and important to me. <laughs> it's not strategic. I've never really been very strategic. Like when I started Feminist Current and started writing, it wasn't with any kind of intent or strategy. It was just me writing about things that I thought were important or interesting or wrong or bothered me. And you know, and this is how I process ideas, right? Like I'm a writer, so writing helps me understand my ideas and arguments and to formulate my arguments. Um, and I interview people who I think 
Like I'm trying to learn. That's what I'm trying to do all the time. I'm just trying to learn and understand and form better arguments and understand the world in a better way. So I just talk to anybody that I think is interesting or if there's a topic that matters to me, I'm going to, you know, seek out somebody who might be able to offer like an original or insightful perspective or some kind of expertise on that issue. It's not, it's, I'm not intending to really do much of anything, you know, like obviously I want to reach people and I want to broaden the conversation and I do want feminists to think critically about their behavior and their strategy and their ideology and what they're doing. And I think that, for example, like free speech is a really, really important thing. So I want people to understand that. I want feminists to understand that. So, you know, um, but it's not one or the other. And I do know that for a long time, my audience is primarily feminist. And, you know, I'm probably losing some feminists in my move towards discussing other topics. But and it's not that I don't care about that. It's just that that's not why I do what I do. I do what I do because I seek truth and I want the world to be a better place. And I want people to better understand one another. And I want to avoid, uh, you know, totalitarianism. <laughs> All right, here's a question. Um, many people are clearly terrible at disagreeing online. Who disagrees well? What disagreements do you find productive? And what is the best way to disagree with Megan Murphy? Um, I just don't, I don't really think online conversations are really productive ever. Um, I don't really think we get very far arguing on social media or even disagreeing with one another on social media. Um, in general, like if I actually have a disagreement with somebody, I would rather talk to them about it in person or in like a long form conversation. I think that online people know that they're being watched and so they don't want to show weakness, um, which is not good for, you know, genuine, authentic conversation and understanding and, you know, like admitting that you're wrong if you turn out to be wrong. So I don't know, maybe some people manage this, but in general, I feel like arguing or disagreeing online is more for show as opposed to actually succeeding in changing people's minds or getting them to understand you. I think, um, and I think a lot of people who do argue online, you know, they're not trying to understand they're trying to attack and show everybody who's watching that they're right and I'm wrong or whoever it is is wrong. And they're trying to embarrass them or make them feel stupid or make them look bad or, or you know, just, yeah, show that their their perspectives are better or more right or whatever. But I don't know that it's ever super productive to, to, to argue on social media. Well, but... But disagreements, I think, can be really productive. It doesn't have to be on social media, but I think that the reason that you keep writing, it's like you keep writing about things that you know people will disagree with. Mm -hmm. And I assume you are doing that because there's something productive to, to come of it. I assume you're not expecting like no pushback and no disagreement and just everyone's gonna agree with you and everything's gonna be different, right? Like you're engaging in a kind of debate, a kind of argument, but a productive argument. 
Sure. I guess I was just thinking more in the context of like on social media, like on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or something like that. But obviously we write online and we engage online in various ways on YouTube, on websites and so on and so forth. So I think having conversations like you, you know, having a conversation on YouTube between two people who disagree can be very productive because people can watch and think critically and maybe they'll change their minds or they'll be like, oh, that's a good point. Actually, that makes more sense. Um, but I don't think that, you know, like having an argument in a comment thread on Facebook or Instagram is, or on Twitter is particularly productive. I mean, who knows? Maybe people will see your point and, and be, they'll, they'll change their mind a bit. But um, in terms of the two people who are, who are arguing, I think, I think it's not the best format, I guess. What about comments and feminist current? People yeah, I mean, those can be sort of more discussion oriented. Um, they're sort of longer form. Um, I don't know. I think, I think people probably do read those comment threads and get something out of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a good point. I, I just, I mean, I personally find online arguments exhausting and I try to avoid them. I don't find them super productive for me or for the person who's, who's trying to argue with me because often they're just not really engaging in good faith. They're kind of just attacking you or whatever. But I guess you asked, you asked who was good at disagreeing. I think I've lost track of the original question. To be <laughs> well, I was asking, who's, who's, who is good at disagreeing and what is the best way to disagree with you? To disagree with me? Yeah. What is oh, the best well, way to I think disagree to be with fair, Like to actually not misrepresent me, like not say you said this when it isn't something that I actually say it said, like, give me like a legit quote. Cause people very rarely do that. They'll say, you know, you said, blah, blah, blah. You think this. And I'm like, well, I never, where did I say that? Like why I think that, okay, thanks for telling me. Like, it's not in good faith. They're not direct quotes. So like, if you want to give me a direct quote and be like, what did you mean by that? Um, or I don't, I mean, I guess just disagree respectfully and in good faith and with integrity, like don't misrepresent, don't be hyperbolic, don't be insulting. Um, that would be the best way to do it. And as far as like, who's good at disagreeing, like who are you, like what person is good at disagreeing? I, just, I don't know if you've just seen good examples of people disagreeing where you were like, oh, yeah, okay, this is, this is respectful and they're doing it. They're doing it right. Um, I don't know. I mean, somebody, I don't know if you guys know Richie Hardcore. I interviewed him recently for my YouTube channel, but he's just like such a truly like good, nice man and does take criticism pretty well and is pretty humble. And so he's just very respectful in how he responds to disagreements. And I think he manages to do it in a way that doesn't alienate people or make them even more angry. Um, I've not mastered that completely, <laughs> but. Uh, what sort of projects are you working on now? Or what, uh, do you have any books coming out, any media that you'd really like people to know about besides Feminist Current? Um, well, I, uh, <laughs> I will have a book coming out at some point. I did write a book, like I completed a manuscript a few years ago, maybe two years ago, maybe a bit more than that. And my publisher dropped me like around the same time I got kicked off of Twitter because they decided that I would be too controversial. 
And then after that happened, like by the time I finished writing that book, like it probably took me a few years to write. I didn't really, it wasn't what I wanted to say anymore. And it wasn't, it didn't really represent my views accurately. And it didn't feel like my voice just because of the, the way that they edited me and because of how the publisher had wanted me to write. It, just, it wasn't a good fit. Like it's not, it's fine that that book didn't get published. Like it sucks because that was like so much work. Like writing a book is like the worst thing in the entire world. And like, I'm a writer, like I like writing, but it was, it's so hard and exhausting and it's like a slog. It's just an incredible amount of work, but um, it, yeah, it just didn't feel like me. And so I need to rewrite it basically, which sucks. And it's been really hard for me to find the time to do that um, with everything else that I'm trying to manage. Um, and so I am, I, I am going to do that. <laughs> so at some point there will be, a new or revised manuscript that will be published as a book um, that I'll feel happier with and that better represents my political views um, now. And um, yeah, and there's an event coming up in Austin on October 2nd. I don't think tickets are available just yet, but they will be soon that Wolf is organizing that I'll be speaking at at the Austin Public Library. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, and then other than that, yeah, I've just, I've been focused pretty heavily on the same drugs, which is my YouTube show and podcast. Um, I mean, I just, I, I enjoy it. Like I enjoy those conversations. I really enjoy talking to all these different people and widening my views and perspectives. Are you in Mexico right now? I am. I live here now. Wow. Do you, mm -hmm. so you're like just totally gone from Canada? Yeah, I don't want to live there anymore. I hate it. And it scares me. I'm totally freaked out about what's happening there. And I, yeah, I find it super terrifying. And even like reading about what's going on in Canada gives me anxiety. So I don't want to live there anymore. So I'm going to stay here. I don't know if things are okay in the U.S. Like I would consider maybe moving there, being part-time there. But for now, I'm happy here. So I'm going to stick it out here. So. Yeah, I used to be one of those people that thought Canada was so great and that I should move to Canada and how, how lucky those Canadians are. And I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah, I used to be one of those people also while I was living there. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I was like, nope, this is not cool. Not cool at all. I feel bad for everyone stuck there. Well, some of them like it. That's true. Many of them seem to enjoy it totalitarianism. <laughs> um, well, it was really nice to talk with you both and to see your faces. Likewise. Keep on Absolutely. keeping on. Hope to see you in real life someday soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for speaking with us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. All right, turfs and trannies. This has been Heterodorks. Have a great week. Bye. <laughs>